0: Welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, saudi karup, guten talk, ja weevi va cat bang, half a day, jaijinendra, salam, shalom, peace now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, from the animal agriculture, climate changed, drought stricken, fire ravaged, GMO-ridden surveillance state of California, all fracked up under chemtrail skies overlooking our beautiful fluoridated waterways where animal bodies and their secretions are mistaken for food. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, please stop accusing me of a quid pro quo. There is no quid pro quo here. I think that People have misunderstood my rejection of consumption of sea creatures, my rejection of consumption of calamari, my my anti-calamari statement is a squid pro quote, please, squid pro quote, not a quid pro quo. Um, (laughs) Did he really say that? Well, there's no business like vegan show business, so what would you expect? Um... And you must forgive me, I've been recuperating from organizing or disorganizing, not one, not two, but three reggae vegan festivals in the span of one year. What's amazing to me is that after every event that I um, organize or disorganize, I say, never again, never again will I produce another event, never again will will I be involved with another event. And don't worry, I never learn my lesson, and uh, I think what's coming next, uh, which I can't discuss yet, will be the uh, biggest event, the biggest show in the history of history, in the history of the planet. Ah. Now, even though you thought that this show, the one to which you are listening, is the uh, biggest uh, show in the history of the planet, um, hey, well... Uh maybe it's a tie maybe it maybe it's a tie well we do need to raise money for everything we do for everything we've done for everything we will do and may i respectfully ask that you make a tax deductible donation to go vegan radio this giving season uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit and uh yes please make a donation based on our present, uh, which uh, present present is well. You're listening to the show right now in the present, right? So, um, and the past accomplishments we have, and knowing that our next project will be the most important undertaking in the history of the world, one that could, in fact, save the world and all the animals and the people. So, um, it is more important than ever. That you do make a tax-deductible donation to Go Vegan Radio. Um, I mean, only, I mean, if you care about saving the planet and the animals, and you know, there are so many millions of dollars that have been donated to uh, so-called animal organizations who have promoted cage-free eggs, for example. Well, how many animals have been saved by cage-free eggs or uh, free-range? Uh, uh, not one, zero. Zero animals have been saved, and yet these organizations rake in millions and millions of dollars every year, and we're trying to save billions of animals with real solutions for the planet, for them, for the human population. We want to uh, improve human health. We want to end world hunger. We want to end climate change and deforestation and resource depletion and water shortage, and we have... The Real Solutions, backed by science. So could you uh, please make us your favorite charity this year? Maybe even take a year off from the other ones who are promoting uh, campaigns that don't save one life. Not one bird will ever be saved in cage-free egg production. Um, You know, free-range, whatever. Um yeah please and um you can donate at goveganradio.com you can click donate uh you can go to uh, paypal.me/goveganradio and um i don't know maybe maybe you don't maybe you're just joining us you haven't been listening to this show um maybe it's your first time or maybe you you have been listening to this show but perhaps you've Forgot our accomplishments here and uh, need some convincing on why you should donate to 501c3 Go Vegan Radio. Mm-hmm. Well, now it, it, it's not like I, it, we're not bragging. I mean, this isn't anything related to ego. This is about getting the job done, getting the job done for the animals and the planet, your children. What have we done here to deserve your trust, to deserve your generous donation? What have we done? Um, well, this is the very first vegan talk show ever. We uh, are the first vegan show that ever infiltrated mainstream Media. Uh, media. We um, did that back in 2001, the first vegan program ever in mainstream media and then the first vegan program in network radio. We were on the Air America Radio Network, GCN Network, other networks, CBS and Clear Channel radio stations around the country. Please donate to 501c3 Go Vegan Radio by clicking donate at goveganradio.com. We, the people behind Go Vegan Radio, organized the first vegan festivals in Southern California ever. World Fest LA, San Diego Fall Fest, Planet Fest in Orange County, and Community Fest in the San Fernando Valley, which was broadcast live internationally and uh, recognized in the U.S. Congress by Representative Dennis Kucinich, making us responsible for the first time that the word vegan was ever echoed in the hallowed halls of the U.S. Cons. Greece, Congress. You can donate to Go Vegan Radio by going to PayPal.me/goveganradio. As I mentioned in the past year, we organized not one, not two, but three reggae vegan fests, and we embrace reggae as a vegan music genre back to uh, the conscious thinkers in Jamaica in the 1930s who decided they should be vegan, but they called it ITAL, and uh, they called it ITAL the decade before the word vegan was even invented. So reggae and vegan are a perfect match, and we organized three reggae vegan fests, Los Angeles and San Diego. Introducing music and entertainment-based vegan advocacy and entertainment, expanding vegan awareness among hundreds of thousands of people in a broad range of diverse communities. And you can donate to us at goveganradio.com. Click donate. We organized the World Vegan Summit and Expo in Los Angeles in Northern California, including the first ever Vegan Because We Care March that went through the streets of Berkeley. Go to paypal.me goveganradio. We provided commentary to the morning program on Pacifica's KPFA in Berkeley and inspired the creation of the now long-running, well, now it's called Vegan World Radio. It started as Go Vegan Texas many years ago on Pacifica's KPFT in Houston. So please donate to Go Vegan Radio this year. We are the premier platform for speakers on vegan issues concerning animals, environment, health, and ethics, and uh, have presented many notables on our programs. You can go to goveganradio.com and hear vegan advocates and animal activists and health professionals and university professors and environmentalists and ethicists and authors and athletes, chefs and food industry leaders. That's right, the first vegan radio program ever. You can go to goveganradio.com. We have over 600 programs archived there. And while you're listening, why not make a donation? Just click Donate. Because the vegan cause is the animal's cause, is the planet's cause, is the children's cause, and is your cause. So what's the what's the, the best you can do with your tax-deductible donation? Put it toward the real cause, toward the real solution. And we promote the solution, science-based solutions. And... Uh, Oh, well, I guess right about this time now we are upon Halloween, and in the past we've established, well, it's almost a Halloween tradition with a particular theme that we have here, Uh, so maybe it's time for kind of a mini 2019 update of Go Vegan or Die. That's right. Let's see here it's low production values. It was so great when we when we started we were on KRLA in Los Angeles and had the studio engineer and all the sound effects at our fingertips and now it's just a little different. A little different when you do it, you know, from your basement. But that's where technology has taken us. So, Go vegan or die. <laughs> this is a tradition uh, started after I first attended the wild Halloween party scene in West Hollywood some years back when I realized how scary it actually was, how I I had to scream through the streets of West Hollywood to induce fear, even more fear than this radio program induces, even more fear than all the mainstream media combined. I was telling people, be afraid, be really afraid. You're, you're walking, you're walking among, you, 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 you're in the presence of walking graveyards People who bury animal cadavers in their stomachs. How scary is that to be among walking graveyards everywhere? Huh? We went into a pizza parlor in West Hollywood where I had to scream again. Be scared. Be scared. Look, everyone. Look at all the murder victims around you. You don't even recognize them because they are Pizza toppings. Go vegan or die. Go vegan or die. Oh, and how eating those body parts take you closer and closer to death. Those body parts, those animal cadavers, the animal secretions, full of blood and gore and pus and leukemia. And tuberculosis and cholesterol go vegan or die because those eating those body parts and secretions take us closer to heart disease and cancer and stroke and diabetes go vegan or die and now for our 2019 update I should say go vegan or die Go vegan or we all die. There is a mass extinction in progress right now. Species dying every day. There's no guarantee that we won't be one of them. That's right. And on this program, Oxford University researcher Joseph Poor. you can look for him in the archives, at GoVeganRadio.com, where you can make a tax-deductible donation. Joseph Poor says, the only way to stop the mass extinction is a huge human population shift to vegan. And yes, in fact, climate change is scary, isn't it? Go vegan or die. And... If you consider your dietary habit of eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is the cause of climate change, bringing us closer to extinction, maybe it's time that you consider that you must go vegan or die. Here's a scary headline from the India Times. 1,685 flood-related deaths reported by 14 states, 2.2 million evacuated to shelter camps. Pradeep Thankor writes in the India Times, quote, this monsoon season, India has recorded highest rainfall in 25 years, with climate change leaving behind massive loss of human lives, shelters, livestock, crops, and infrastructure. End quote. Go vegan or die, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of human generated greenhouse gas emissions go vegan or die it's either no feast or famine it's either flood or drought or wildfire you might hear sirens here today we lost power earlier there are brush fires nearby our interstate was closed nearby here today Wildfires, floods, no feast or famine, flood or drought. This scary headline from Nworld Millions face starvation if Horn of Africa food supplies aren't protected from climate change. UN warns climate stress from low rainfall has made region hotter and drier. ...affecting crops, livestock, and livelihoods. I don't like that word, livestock. It seems to diminish animals to make them into products or things. They are not those. So, what did that mean? What did that mean from uh, N-World, that scary headline? This means that 13.7 million people in Ethiopia somalia kenya and uganda are facing a food crisis facing starvation is that scary enough for you this is from an eight-year-long drought and do you ever hear about this in our beloved mainstream media huh other than russia 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 How how can we address issues if we don't even know about them? Instead of Russia, 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 how about Ethiopia, Somalia, Kenya, Uganda? I guess that's why we're here, the most important radio program in the history of the world. Um, No ego involved, just that, hey, if we have the solutions, if we can save the world from climate change and save billions of animals, and improve human health, and end starvation. That makes this an important show, doesn't it? Worthy of your tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com? Huh? Do you remember Live Aid? That was the concert back in 1985. The superstars of music performed in response to the Ethiopian famine at that time. And now, 35 years later... We have an international global crisis, and what we seem to need now again is is another live aid. What we need is is a climate crisis live aid, don't you think? And uh, you know, n- not just to bring awareness to uh, the crisis, but awareness to the solution. And if nobody else is doing it. Who will? It's left up to us, right? Do you see a climate crisis live aid anywhere? Did you see Reggae Vegan Fests anywhere? Billions of years this planet has existed and no Reggae Vegan Fests. And who's going to do the climate crisis live aid if not for us? Huh? Okay, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Somebody's got to change the world, and it's not going to be from some something like a Paris Accord or I mean, depending upon politicians and government or legislation, a carbon tax. That's those aren't the solutions. The only solution is we all have to go vegan, and science supports us. If we go vegan, We can go back to pre-industrial carbon levels. If we go vegan, we can free land the size of Africa for reforestation and species recovery. The only way to end mass extinction is if we go vegan. Maybe end our, you know, our extinction also. But we need money and people to do this, To to do this together, huh? So, I mean, uh, animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. If animal agriculture is the cause of deforestation, resource depletion, water shortage, people eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, we have to reverse. We have to reverse that behavior. We all have to go vegan or face the consequences of going vegan, or face the consequences of just dying. Go vegan or die. Go vegan or we all die. So, anyway, we do need a climate crisis live aid in 2020. Who else is going to do it? We have to do it. We need your money, your time, your energy. You can email me, goveganradio at gmail.com. Email goveganradio at gmail.com. Or you can donate at goveganradio.com. Or paypal.me slash goveganradio. What do we need? A million, two million dollars to make this happen? If only people who donate to uh, the Humane Society of the United States, which what does that bring in? One hundred twenty-five, hundred thirty million dollars every year. A group controlled by ranchers, <laughs> a rancher advocacy group, who who you know celebrates every every, every corporation that <laughs> that that decides that yes, it it'll sell uh, or use cage-free eggs. Those are the victories for animals. Cage-free eggs. Not one animal saved. And yet here we are trying to save the planet. We need money. We need your support. Okay. So anyway, Uh, coming up on today's program, we have a super fantastic uh, interview with Neil Grace, author of a super fantastic new book uh, that I highly recommend, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. Making Life a Spectacular Journey. Yes, that's still possible, even in spite of what I've been saying (laughs) since the program started today. (sighs) So, anyway. It is. It's a wonderful, relevant book examining a wide range of topics, uh, from veganism to animals to work and education, religion, corruption, bullying, suicide, to living a happy life. Hmm. All the thoughts, all the questions swirling through your brain are addressed by Neil Grace in this book with really, really great perspectives. i say it would make a super fantastic choice for a holiday gift. So, Neil Grace coming up on the program. Later in the show, uh, Bridie Reed, co-founder of World Vegan Travel will be here Um, she'll discuss uh, those special needs travelers known as vegans she has a lot of great vegan uh, travel tips and she also will be talking about the exciting excursions that world vegan travel is planning so you'll want to stay here for that and uh, I want to thank evolution vegan dog and cat food, for its ongoing support of our efforts, our past, present, and future efforts. So uh, Evolution, vegan dog and cat food from a family business that's been around for three decades, the very first vegan food company for dogs and cats, and not one product recall in 30 years. Not one recall. 100% complete food for uh, all life stages of dogs and cats, according to the Nutrition Research Council and the uh, and AAFCO, the Association of Feed Control Officials. and so uh, Daisy loves evolution, um, no chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors that are known to cause cancer and other diseases. and so. Uh, You can go to the website, which is PetFoodShop.com, PetFoodShop.com, and order Evolution there. You can talk to Eric Weissman by calling 651-228-0632. You get a discount if you're a first-time customer. Again, that number for Evolution is 651-228-0632. And we would also like to thank our long, longtime supporter, Vegetarian House, vegan restaurant in San Jose, 100% vegan. So sometimes people see the word vegetarian, which somehow has been hijacked by the meat and dairy industries. They laugh all the way to the bank <laughs> when people uh, drink milk, eat cheese, eat eggs, call themselves vegetarian. How is that? But uh, Vegetarian House has been around for decades also. Vegetarian House, 100% vegan, organic, delicious. Let Vegetarian House uh, cater your next social or business event. That's Vegetarian House at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. You can go to the website, which is vegetarianhouse.com. U.S. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Have I mentioned anything about how you can make a tax-deductible donation to support us? Well, you can. Just go to goveganradio.com, click donate. Neil Grace coming up next. We are uh, doing the show, uh, you know, on, on a regular basis now. It seems like we took a year off to produce three major festivals. and All in the vegan cause are Reggae Vegan Fests. And uh, now there's a break in the action and it's like, get back to the talk show. This being the very first uh, vegan talk show ever in mainstream media in America, starting back in 2001. Um, And uh, here we are today, and uh, my uh, next guest here is somebody, uh, well, uh, with whom I became acquainted. Um, I noted the uh, release of his uh, new book, his new book, which is uh, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, making life a spectacular journey. But I was really introduced to Neil Grace by way of a video on Supreme Master TV. And Supreme Master Television is one of my favorite television stations. Uh, and the Supreme Master community so com- compassionate uh, about animals and uh, into the vegan cause. And I noted that uh, Neil was very articulate in his uh, uh, expression related to uh, how important veganism is to him and his concern for animals. So it kind of made me more open to uh, taking a look at his book. And then I find that I'm pretty much blown away by this book. Uh, It's really um, so... uh, Relevant for today. I'm 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 actually shocked because, you know. Okay, so uh, as as a you know a talk show host, I'm okay. I'm I'm a guru, right? So everybody has a problem, a question. My answer is always, go vegan. So it's pretty simple. I I don't have to keep track of much, but. Neil has it looks like he's thought of every possible question all all the questions swirling around in your brain about about your life in particular, your interpersonal relationships, and then society in general, and then the spiritual world and nature and animals it's it's really um, quite amazing and Neil's perspectives are quite amazing and you know i I, I look through the book here and I think. Uh, well, how can I explain this book? You know, it's almost like I have to read the entire table of contents for you to get the uh, the breadth of it, the, the wide spectrum that includes everything from veganism to animals, you know, bullying, gun control, abortion, suicide, education, work, corruption, celebrity, <laughs> living a happy life. Uh, Neil, you must have had some time on your hands to to be thinking. Uh, I don't even think you've missed any questions. How, how, first of all, how did you come up with all of these questions? And um, I'm quite amazed that that your answers, um, your uh, perspectives, really resonate with me. I don't know if it's that you're, you know, uh, you know, vegan, animal lover. We we go back to the 60s and uh, protesting the Vietnam War. Maybe that's why it resonates with me. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, compassion and uh, a lot of understanding here um, in the book. How 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 did you become so wise in your young years here?
1: Well, thank you, Bob. I don't uh, I have to be humble before I answer that. (laughs) Uh, have a all those questions are really very relevant questions that uh, apply to everyone. So I have a burning passion to explain and examine and scrutinize things and come up with possible solutions because I'm insatiably curious about the world. And this book really began, I started writing it when I was born. (laughs) I mean that seriously because all of my experiences are a culmination of, you know, everything that I've done. And each experience and each observation of life has given me opportunities to be more compassionate, to be more understanding and to also offer some insights to see things clearly and objectively. And so that I could share these insights with others, because the whole purpose of the book essentially is to offer greater virtues and values so that the world will become a better, happier and more sustainable world and it's not just what we eat is one of the 86 chapters in the book but as you said it covers a tremendous uh, spectrum of subjects uh, everything that is relevant to us everything that impacts the world impacts our own personal journeys because we're all on this incredible journey called life and as you said earlier the title the subtitle of the book is making life a spectacular journey I think we to do a lot of inner work and outer work to achieve a sense of peace and a, chen- and a sense that we can contribute to the world uh, to make it a much better and safer and more beautiful place for all of us. And it is a beautiful world indeed. That,
0: that it can be. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I see, you know, I mean, here you said some of the chapters that you have here. How do we love life? You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm just uh, amazed at uh, you know the uh, the breadth of uh, you know just going through it here. And I'm I'm going to ask you to read from uh, some some of these too. But uh, like you said, it, it's so relevant and contemporary these issues. Um, and uh, you know, from everything from what can we what can be done to make public schools uh, better educational institutions. Well. Um, I read your uh, chapter there, it's like uh, a page, and, you know, we, we put billions of dollars into education, and I think you have a better answer for it, you know, and I'd, I'd like to go over some of these, but maybe maybe to start, because this is uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and we are into uh, the vegan uh, part of life here, and... Um, concern for animals um so might you go to page 252 of uh, fresh eyes upon the world a, a book that you know because you wrote um and uh, right there on page 252 it's what are your thoughts about the vegan diet
1: okay great well first of all uh, would you like me to read this uh chapter
0: yeah i i would uh, okay. I, you know unless you you know unless you tell me what because i may be asking you to read a few different chapters here because again i think it's it's very eye-opening and i do think that you're bringing a fresh perspective on a number of really relevant issues that's what that's what's so surprising to me about this neil is that uh you know you're 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 hitting a home run so often here so um
1: Thank you much Bob. i appreciate it i think uh like you said, the, the title of the book is Fresh Eyes Upon the World because I want to bring a broader, fresher perspective to the reader. I want to help catalyze the reader to do some self-reflection to really examine some of these subjects. So what am I like to
0: reexamine you know, the dogma? You know, there are a lot of what the layers of society that have put on us, I think you you question in some really good ways to take, you know, a different perspective on them.
1: The conditioning process is probably, in my opinion, and for my uh, exploration and adventures in life, is probably the most pertinent and powerful propaganda mechanism that has influenced all of us and has kind of divested us of our own individuality and kind of cloned us into thinking and perceiving and experiencing life based on extrinsic factors that aren't really true to our natures. Mm-hmm. so, so uh, yeah
0: yeah so you're you're questioning conditioning I guess right question authority right question
1: everywhere I mean you can't escape the conditioning process we are human we're social animals and I mean it, it is pretty uh, prevalent and, and prolific in the world I mean whatever culture you're born into you are indoctrinated to some extent with the uh, the mores and the values of that culture so but I think it's important for us to gain a sense of our own intrinsic power by transcending some of these conditioning processes because they can really narrow us into into specific reflections of that society and greater than that is our own authentic self and our own beautiful expression of who we are as an individual and it's hard to do that at times and that's why so many of us that's why there's so many conflicts So many issues, so much uh, difficulty and struggle and strife in the world because we are trained and taught to be different from everyone else based on our values, based on our neighborhood. I mean, there's conditioning processes on many, many levels. And then there's the conditioning process of being a human unto itself, which to me is another example of the fallacy of conditioning because we are so condescending toward animals. So conditioning can be somewhat harmful and somewhat oppressive and limiting in our vast understanding, potentially vast understanding of life and of our place on the planet Earth. And we don't even realize we've been conditioned, right? So that's the... Oh, absolutely. It becomes inculcated because we become indoctrinated and we become really really a reflection of these values, how we think, how we see things, how we actually interpret anything, even a blade of grass or another animal or how we interpret life. I mean, and I don't mean to be negative and, and repudiate religions, but religions also and everything indoctrinates, indoctrinates us to think a certain way. And that thinking is not always in our best interest, and all, not always the most beneficial thing that we can do as collectively, as a social being on the planet.
0: I, I think your observations on religion are very interesting in your book, also. But but let's go. Let's go to page 252, and uh, you know, let's uh, jump around your book a little bit. And um, I invite you to read. You know, your chapters, you know, and and, and it's the the writing is pretty concise, you know, it's uh, articulated well. And, uh, you know, so um, very often you say in a page or page and a half, uh, you know, what what could take a book to to, to say at times. But uh, so page 252, what are your thoughts about the vegan diet?
1: Well, there's probably no subject about which I feel stronger. I have spent much of my life learning about food and its impact on the body. I have experimented with various diets, some of which were extreme lifestyle changes. I am convinced that what we consume has a far greater impact on our health, constitution and longevity than most of us realize. The food we eat shapes us literally and energetically and spiritually. 95% Ninety-five percent of the people on this planet are either fundamentally clueless about food or don't believe it matters. This includes dietitians and medical professionals. The consciousness around food is abysmal. Neglect, disrespect, and indifference rule the day for the majority of people on Earth. Eating food is laced with artificial ingredients, heavy pesticides, and a slew of other human intrusions is akin to putting poison in our bodies. It is not the quantity of what we eat that is tantamount to health and vitality. It is what we eat. One of the most unaware things we do on a daily basis is invade our beautiful bodies with processed, fake, dead food. The consequences of this daily act are obesity, cancers, heart problems, high blood pressure, and a shortening of our lives. I can't stand to look at a dead animal lying ripped to pieces on the road, let alone eat one that is cut into pieces, cooked and covered with spices. I have been a vegetarian for over 40 years and a vegan for 20 of those years. Eating animals is not only unhealthy, but is also unnecessary for the vast majority of humans on the planet. Eating meat and seafood is not healthy. Do we really want to put the vibrations of a slaughtered animal's last moments of agony into our bodies? We harm the earth by harvesting billions of chickens, lambs, fish, cows, and turkeys to eat. We cause horrific environmental damage to the seas, the land, and the air by the processes needed to produce billions of pounds of dead flesh for us to devour. In today's world, we have come far in creating a huge array of delicious, organic foods to consume. The taste of plant-based food is magnificent. The food empowers you, it is easy to digest, merges harmoniously with your body, and serves the earth as well. When the choices are vast in the vegan world, there is no excuse not to follow this wonderful lifestyle. I believe future generations will look back at our carnivorous diet as barbaric as the way we view our early history when many of us were cannibals. They will also find that the consumption of flesh was directly responsible for many of our diseases and contributed to our aggressive dispositions. I know Much of this is upsetting to a carnivore. Most people don't want to give up their habits. They will use any excuse to continue eating meat. They rationalize why they have to eat meat. The facts are inconclusive. We're all going to die anyway. How will we get our protein? Other species eat each other. The vegan diet doesn't agree with my system. The American Medical Association doesn't endorse it. I feel hungry just eating fruits and vegetables. When people switch to the vegan diet, they benefit themselves, the world, and the other creatures sharing our planet with us.
0: There you go. Neil Grace from his new book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. Uh, talking about the vegan diet there, and what jumps out at me, do we really want to put the vibrations of a slaughtered animal's last moments of agony into our bodies? That's a good question, Neil. Thank you for asking that. Um, if we can... And, and again, you know, th- there are so many topics covered uh, in, in the book, and all uh, with a thoughtful perspective. I mean from you know what is the true purpose of life and and feel free to jump in on any of these as i list them and if you want to jump in and quickly tell us the the true purpose of life go ahead or people can read it in the book when they get to it but i'm just you know i look at this and i go what is the true purpose and and the thing is i have been reading the book but i jump around it's not like you know i turn page after page it's uh just so many varied and interesting topics. What is the true purpose of life? What is death? What is God? You know, uh, is there a vengeful God? You know, is what? What is the nature of traditional religions?
1: Um, uh, By the way, Bob, you're interrupting. By the way, all of these questions, which are very high-powered questions, I am not presumptuous enough to think I know the ultimate answer. But what I do. In asking these questions, and my main purpose in this whole book is to get people to think more openly and objectively about these questions themselves. What do they think about these things? Because we're always taught and told by external forces, teachers, our parents, our religious leaders, Uh, television, movies, society itself, and books. So many ways things have been brought to us and said this is the answer. And I want to say step back. Let's kind of detach ourselves from what we have been taught and what we learned over our lifetimes, and let's look at these things anew, afresh. Let's be innovative in our thinking because this is going to propel us into a much higher realm within our evolution. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, um, as I go through the book and look at the various subjects and questions, uh, m- my reactions are often, Oh, well, I thought that, yeah, Neil, that, that's what I thought. And then I'll, I'll see something new and I go, yeah, I, I think that. And uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll develop some of the thinking beyond uh, what I may have uh, thought about some of these uh, subjects. And, uh, I, I'm sure everybody has thought about these subjects, uh, there, again, as, as we said, this is all so relevant, so it covers such a wide range of topics, and, you know, then I'll go through it, oh, I, I thought that, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that, uh, and, uh, one of, one of the areas, uh, that, that I've all, always thought is, you know, and again, because this program is dedicated to the animals, um, you know, People have thought that animals are beneath us when I think that perhaps they are above us in many ways and more accomplished at living on this planet. And then I see what you write on page 159, are animals as evolved as we are, and do they have souls? Well, I found that pretty interesting, Neil. you think we can go to yeah. that one here and take a look at that?
1: Yes, and that's, that, that's a very important question, even though it might sound a little bit on the surface of things because all people say, oh, yeah, they're evolved and they have souls. But when you really look without your preconception uh, at the animal world and really look at animals – They are so extraordinary. If you told me that they came from another world, you know, we get so fascinated with extraterrestrials. It's like they come from another galaxy, even though they belong to the earth as much as we do. And they're so amazing. They're so unbelievably amazing. And every one of them is a sentient being with a complete network of senses and feelings and abilities to function. And they live almost in a different universe than we do. They mate, they breed, they breathe, they eat, they perpetuate themselves. They have a, a, a longevity which could be hundreds of thousands of years like Homo sapiens or hundreds of millions of years like sharks and turtles. But they are absolutely incredible. And they are anatomically more advanced than Homo sapiens are many of them many animals and mammals and the insect world they're incredible they have such abilities that it's almost mind-boggling. It's it's greater than if we wrote science fiction stories about creatures. Their intuition, their ability to sense things, their ability to survive without clothes, without having to brush their teeth, without having medicines or herbs or vitamins, or their ability to survive without having to go to doctors. Uh, they are incredible creatures, and each one of them is following a natural cadence that is instinctive to that species and each individual creature every little ant that you see i mean again a lot of this is speculation because i don't know what it is to be inside that consciousness of that ant is an individual and every cow is an individual and every pig is an individual with a whole array of personality attributes and characteristics so if we look at these creatures as divinely created from the source of the cosmos itself just as we are nature endowed these creatures with incredible attributes they are as precious and as perfect as we are and in some ways again anatomically bob more evolved than we are more advanced than we are so with all that being said do they have a soul Of course, they have a soul. If we have a soul, they have a soul. They are just as amazing. Uh, A grasshopper has a soul. A worm has one. A flea has one. A hawk has one. An eel has one. Now, we're not more evolved because we can communicate in ways that we think are more sophisticated than other species. We're not better than these creatures. As a matter of fact, most creatures can communicate on levels that are almost incomprehensible to us. Whales, blue whales can actually communicate, and humpback whales hundreds of miles through echoes in the ocean uh, with each other. They can do all these things. We don't even know how they find each other. And there's, I think it's a, um, it's a species of moth. I can't think of which one that can. A small moth can detect a female. Five miles away in the wilderness and find and hone in and find this female in order to mate with her. I mean, they have senses that are just absolutely incomprehensible to our understanding and reasoning of life. So the world of animals is probably the greatest gift we have to be a part of the same world as they are. The greatest gift to us. We are blessed to have these species with us. Now, there are species, we, we love them, we adore them, we cherish them, we celebrate their their existence. But we, don't, we also, we don't need to go live with them. We don't need to go um, and capture them and put them on display and exhibit them in zoos. We can try to help them if they need our help at the last moment. And we also don't need... Certainly don't need to breed them, which is a vicious, barbaric and, and bizarre thing to do, and force them to mate and, and slaughter them in the most inhumane, horrific conditions and consume them. That, to me, is insane. We don't need to eat the animals. Do they have a soul? Each one of them is just as divine as the most holy, sacred person you know, including yourself.
0: Amen. Brother Neil, brother <laughs> Neil, Gra- <laughs> brother Neil Grace. That's from his book, fresh eyes upon the world. Um, looking at, at so many different, uh, subjects here. I mean, it's like, just check, check, check out the table of contents. You know, it's just so amazing. Now, um, how do you, you know, these insights you say, like, tell, tell us a bit about, like, what what was it in your your past life? Is just so much traveling and seeing the world that you feel has added to your visions and perspectives on things? Because it looks like you're very well-traveled in life.
1: Well, I, Bob, have actually had a rather uh, atypical and unconventional experience. Uh, um, life i would say that most people haven't done what i've done but it doesn't mean that you have to go out and do these things to be wise or to to, um discover things and have great insights and glean wisdom from your experiences but i i at an early age uh really started to question things so i never really instinctively allowed myself to be conditioned I questioned everything, and it, I, wanted to, I was so fascinated with the world and with all these uh, various aspects of life. I wanted to see what was behind them, and I gravitated toward unusual experiences. Even in school, I was not very um, adept at school, and I found myself being oppressed and trapped in the school environment. Uh, so I went on my own. I went out, and experimented with life I traveled I did all kinds of things I hitchhiked for probably 10,000 miles all over North America for several years I went up to Alaska I've been on every state in the United States I've lived in different places I've been to about 35 or 40 different countries and I really didn't I had many jobs Uh, so each one every experience I had taught me something about life everything was illuminating the truth And I wanted to go into the truth. I didn't want to bring my own set of values into any situation. I wanted to go into it completely um, unformed, so to speak, so that I could really learn from it and discover what was behind these things. And I read a lot of the great philosophies and I read a lot of poetry and a lot of things that would teach me about life. And I met all kinds of people and I didn't seek out wise or brilliant or highly academic or intelligent people on purpose. I sought out everyone I could, and each person had something wise to share. When I inquired, what is it that you see in life? What do you think about life? Who are you? What are you? What is life? What is our relationship to this world? So I did follow a kind of circuitous, kind of a bit of a a vagabond lifestyle, And uh, then I uh, settled down when I was 32 and working full time and uh, accumulating a little bit more material comfort. Um, But this was my mission. My purpose in life was to discover it, discover who I am. And what we always are doing all the time is learning about ourselves. And many people get very comfortable and say, this is who I am. And then they stop the process of learning. So it's a ceaseless process. It never stops. And the more you can go out into the world and learn from it, the more evolved and the more uh, enlightened you will become. And remember, there's opportunities to learn from everything. You could sit in your house in the winter by a fire in your fireplace and read a great book. That's an opportunity to learn and go see a great film. That's an opportunity to learn. And part of if I might digress for a second, Bob, part of. I say the world's problems and the world is fraught with all kinds of problems and the division, the alienation, the, the, the suffering, the struggle, the misery, the grief, uh, um, the deprivation and, and the oppression that exists in the human world is that most people, it's all coming down to most people have not developed a great and beautiful set of values of humanitarian values how to treat yourself and how to relate to the world and how to treat others and this is why there's so much division in the world and so much hostility that if you can do this if you can learn who you are the more you can learn who you are and learn to develop a kind compassionate spiritual foundation you will contribute to your own life as well as the world itself.
0: Do, do you think that the, <laughs> the Vietnam War era uh, a- affected you? And um, your? I, you know, I'm, I'm from that same time of questioning authority and militarism and violence and war. And I'm wondering if that's a time that opened a lot of people's eyes and including maybe for you too.
1: Absolutely, very pivotal time. It was a it was a time that we questioned our own government, we questioned its authority, we questioned its perspicacity, its wisdom to make these decisions, or lack of wisdom. It was a great catalyst, and it really I was involved in it uh, in many ways, and I looked at it and it really said, what is this madness? This is a manifestation of madness. These wars and this these political systems and these. Uh, the, the differences we had and in the, in the principles and the, in the uh, economic systems, which communism, capitalism, socialism, and, and all of these theoretical concepts and perceptions we had around it stirred things up and caused such a vortex of, of chaos that led to war. It was a very, very important time. Um, and I also believe I was. Go ahead. I was also a, very much an individual, but I think that the so-called hippie movement was very profound. Even in the 50s with the beat poets who I thought were brilliant, they were questioning the establishment. They were saying, what is this this rather uh, saccharine-like existence that we have? And there's nothing wrong with everything being sweet and calm and harmonious, but I think the beat generation of the 50s and the hippie movement of the 60s and the anti-war movement of the Vietnam War or something that were blasted away the conventionality and said wait a minute what is this all about what are we doing who are we is this really the direction we want to go
0: right exactly and um, I attended Woodstock I also marched against the war and uh we felt that we were able to accomplish something. We, we you know, when we when we uh, all assembled at Woodstock, we, we couldn't believe that there were so many of us, and we felt that we had the power to change the world. And uh, so I think we were a little surprised when Iraq turned up, uh, you know, fairly recently. We thought we, we, <laughs> we thought we handled these wars a while ago, but uh, apparently not. Um, so. A second ago, you said that you weren't uh, so thrilled with the education system uh, at your early age. And I said that I enjoyed what you wrote about uh, uh, public schools and education in your book, uh, which I recommend as a holiday gift. Why not? Uh, uh, Neil Grace, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. How can people
1: get the book, Neil? Neil? Uh, it's the book is can they can go to um, my website, uh, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E.com, neilgrace.com They can also go to Amazon Books and get the book there, and uh, it's a great uh opportunity for a gift, as you said. They can follow me on Instagram, Neil Grace, or Twitter, or even Facebook. Um, okay, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's like you said, the book is. It's, it's somewhat, it's a very educational uh, book in many respects, but it's also, uh, it's also entertaining. I mean, I think it is entertaining. It has that.
0: Yeah, well, when I opened it, you know, I, I took a look and I found that I couldn't stop turning the pages. And again, um, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, do I have the MTV, MTV uh, you know, attention span of, you know, a few seconds, but. It it, it keeps moving and uh, the topics change and it's, uh, you know, I found that I was uh, I was staying with it for quite a while. Um, So if you can go to uh, congregation here, go to uh, page 146. um, What can be done to make public schools better educational institutions? Why don't you give us a bit of advice there, Brother Neil, from page 146? Can you do that?
1: This is a very short one. Yep. I, I, you know, by the way, I think education needs a revolutionary revamping. I, I think education is so vital; it's it's really vital uh, in, in our society. So my response or my answer is: when we teach young people how to cultivate good values and virtues, we are investing in in the in a healthy future for civilization. All right. Here's the answer from the book. The time a young person spends at school from around age 5 to 18 is enormous. Throughout his or her developmental stages, a young person is exposed to an array of ideas and social interactions. In our society, we focus mainly upon educating a young person with information and facts that require an adept memory. This is very limited what needs to be demonstrated and reinforced throughout the entire span of education is character building. Teach young people about ethics. Teach them about compassion. Teach them about resolving conflicts with their peers. Teach them about inner strength and confidence and about the infinite reservoir living within them upon which they can build the mantle and metal of their true nature. Teach them about the art of living in gratitude and joy. Teach them about contributing to society. Teach them about the sacredness of life. When you do these things in a world bristling with anger, despair, and struggle, you help a young person create a destiny abounding with beauty, peace, and love.
0: There you go. Who needs a Department of Education and the budget for all those (laughs) (laughs) bills? And and the billions of dollars budget there when uh, it can be said in a few paragraphs. So...
1: Well, oh, there's nothing wrong. with mean, I love science and I love history. There's not these things are important too. And you know, to become a doctor or become a, uh, a technician of sorts, you need a certain uh, foundation of understanding. And education can teach those too, but interwoven in the educational process, I think, is is vital to have those uh, elements that I just described.
0: Right, and uh, very often it's just memorization. And uh, but I still remember remember the Panay, or is that the I, I th- That just came to mind, like something I had to remember. I think it was a, a boat that was sunk that started a war. I don't ask me why, but there's my whole education right there, wrapped up in Spanish, like was. I think it was the
1: Spanish American.
0: Was it the Spanish American?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not sure. Book, yeah, Spanish American War that in, uh, and it started out of Havana, Cuba.
0: There, yeah, there you go. Had I been on Jeopardy, that would have been the question, or you know something. I'd be I'd be rich now for for remembering that one. Um, I have a friend who has a, uh, a a Facebook page that's anti-bullying, and you know it's uh, as we said this is uh, really such a relevant book. Uh, I don't know if we would have seen uh, self-help books or you know, self-appraisal <laughs> books in the past uh, that. You know, cover such areas like suicide uh, you know that's so prevalent in society now and and bullying which is in the spotlight and um, maybe uh, would you just go to the the, the one about uh, bullies there but if you could do that, I think it's page twenty
1: one I' need to read what page is that do you know
0: I think twenty one do I that right well, let's see here. Can I read my own handwriting? Uh, uh, is
1: it? Uh, okay, I'm getting close. Maybe not. Uh, not 21.
0: No, not 21.
1: Um, okay,
0: all right. Talks amongst yourselves uh, while Neil is looking. Uh, I the page down. Not 121,
1: is it? Section oh, that. Um,
0: why do people become bullies, racists, and terrorists? The page. And, and how can we heal them? Now, that sounds too too important not to find the page. <laughs> so, um, while Neil is looking for that page in the book that he wrote... Um, 84. 84. You, you got it? Oh, I, well, I was going to take a moment to say, you can support the work of 501c3 Go Vegan Radio with a tax-deductible donation at goveganradio.com. You can click Donate there or uh, PayPal... Uh, what is it? PayPal.me slash Go Vegan Radio. Make that tax deductible donation and help us uh, do the work that we've been doing for, well, this show started in 2001. We just did three reggae vegan festivals over the course of the past year. Prior to that, we organized the World Vegan Summit and Expo in L.A. and the Bay Area and Community Fest in the San Fernando Valley and Planet Fest in Orange County. And we're not stopping until the world goes vegan because it is the only way um, to uh, save the planet from uh, climate change, as we're told by the world's top climate specialists. The only way to save the animals. And it is very near and dear to us. Um and as you heard uh, earlier, very near and dear to our guest, who is the author, Neil Grace, his book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. And uh, you found the page now, Neil, you say?
1: Yes, yes. Okay. You know, Bob, this, this subject, I just want to just digress for a moment. This subject is very, very, very important because bullying is, is such a sad, pathetic, and detrimental thing that people perpetrate on other people uh, and it needs it needs to stop it needs to stop and it's um, I don't want to go too deep into the ramifications of what causes especially young people uh, uh, young you know 10 11 12 13 year old 14 year old people to have this kind of vicious tendency toward other people but I want to talk a little bit about I want to actually read maybe just two paragraphs what is a bully? What causes it, and what can be done to, to help um, emancipate the bully from his treachery and his, his condition? Most bullies are young people, but older people can also act as bully. Now this is an important sentence. A bully is a weak person trying to wield power over another, for the sake of deriving a vicarious sense of control. A bully is a coward who is afraid of being weak. He therefore seeks out others who are not socially or physically strong and unleashes his his sadistic cruelty. There is in his psyche a war pleasure at seeing someone else suffer because The bully is accomplishing two major things by acting out. One, he is releasing his own pent-up hostility and hurts onto an easy target. Two, he is deflecting his own pain by placing it on his victim. This aberrant form of behavior was learned from a series of abuses and hurts a bully endured in the first years of his life. Remember, no one is born a bully when nobody is born a racist or a bigot. He felt helpless, unable to defend himself from the blows of a person who was more powerful. This vulnerability and helplessness infuriated the bully, causing him to grow suspicious of people. The suspicion led to a deep disdain for others, especially weak peers who were unable to defend themselves. Now, healing a bully will require a massive therapeutic process. He will have to uncover all the unconscious layers of his own pain and release them through forgiveness and compassion. He will also have to learn how to love himself and others without fear, intimidation and suspicion. In time, he will need to learn to trust others allowing himself to feel vulnerable and yet remain safe. Now, racism is very similar, and I go into that whole thing, because racism is is really one of the most despicable forms of ignorance in the world. A racist, like a bully, is a person riddled with fear, who has taken on this fear and placed it upon an entire group of people, Blaming them for his own woes or the troubles of the whole world. And a racist, racism is really fueled by a group mindset. You know the cure for racism? Have them go live with a group of people against whom he is a racist. Have him learn the customs mannerisms and lifestyles of these people, and he will surely find not only their humanity, but also his own. You know, there's just a lot of things that we need to do to help these people who have chosen. Yes, they have chosen consciously and voluntarily to follow these paths of darkness and and destruction.
0: Yeah, um, well, I mean, there's just, you know, we could read the whole book today. Should we do that Neil? Um, <laughs> it might take a while, um, but, you yeah,
1: know... Obviously, too, we could just, uh, you know, you can ask me things. I can yeah. give you my own version of these things, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it, there's just so, so much, uh, you know, material in here. Like, I, why, you know, I mean, you, you have how can we prevent suicides and what are your thoughts about assisted mercy killings of a person who is incurably ill? and You know, I mean, so I just... I, I should let at least people know how to prevent suicide is on page 128 if you buy the book. And then, wait, no, wait, maybe we have to talk a little bit about it for a moment and not, you know, you know what I mean?
1: Well, uh, definitely suicide is, is the, sadly and tragically, the ultimate act of uh, self-destruction. Yeah, uh, you page, know Page
0: 128 is that, uh, that. that. How can we prevent
1: suicide? So, so many people, we're very sensitive beings, and we need love, we need encouragement, and unfortunately, we live in a very um, sometimes anonymous civilization. I mean, we, we feel we're anonymous, we're unknown, we're unseen, we're unloved, and that takes a heavy toll on us. So it is incumbent upon all of us, especially parents and friends and relatives, to offer. Love, encouragement, praise to people because especially people going through the formative years of of growing up and becoming an adult, without a strong support system, things to buttress other people, kindness, compassion, uh, direction, mentorship, these people can get very lost and a lot of young people become very isolated. And one of the things that they do when they become isolated is they become very self-critical. And it's very, very sad that that happens. Uh, It's not easy to be alive in a human being, especially in today's contemporary world. And they can be feel very isolated at school, very alienated, very rejected socially um, apart from the, the main crowd. And that has serious consequences. And if that person doesn't get the help or the guidance that he or she needs, they can implode and find that there's nothing worth living for. They can be in such insufferable pain that they can do horrible things, like commit, you know, murder, and you know, all these school shootings, or they can kill themselves. Um, and what we need to do is we need to be vigilant. We, when I say we, parents, friends, relatives anyone. We need to be vigilant. We need to see a person walking down the street who is forlorn, uh, crestfallen, uh, distraught, unhappy, and do what we can. Even a smile if we don't know the person. Hi, a hello, a greeting. Or if we know the person, talk to them. Get in touch with their feelings so that let them express their feelings. And if, they, if they're serious, uh, seriously depressed, they need assistance. They need therapy. There are ways that we can help these people. But suicide also is not just with young people. Old people can feel very alone and lonely and isolated. And people in the Middle Ages, you can get so attached to your your dream or your aspiration. And if it doesn't get fulfilled, or doesn't manifest, you become horribly uh, distraught and can plummet into a dark place where you find there's no... There's no answer. There's no solution. There's no alternative. There's no escape except to commit suicide. That's why we're all in this together. We're all brothers and sisters, all of us. And um, it's really our responsibility to help heal ourselves and everyone else.
0: So we're talking to Neil Grace, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. Um, and. various subjects in the book that are very interesting that if you get it, uh, I suggest, uh, I enjoyed the one, why do so many people struggle with work? I found that uh, interesting, uh, also something.
1: I think that's really very, very uh, relevant in today's world. I mean, work, work should be, when I say work, your employment, your career, um, work should be a much, much more palatably beautiful and nourishing and uplifting experience Uh, and there's so much drudgery and there's so much pressure and their work is very very difficult i have a different viewpoint about work than most people bob
0: i see on page 153 i found myself agreeing with you saying yeah neil this is what i think about it too Um, i mean it's necessary 153 if you want to if you want to consult your book why do so many people struggle with work
1: Well, I think that part of the problem is that, um, you know, there's a lot of economic uh, allusions and and areas of um, explanation about the economy of the world and and materialism in the book, too. And it's all uh, related. It's interconnected. Uh, But work can be very, very difficult, very oppressive because uh, it's a long day. I think work is much too long. I think there's not fairness in work. There's not encouragement. I think people work in in very mundane situations for the most part. There's absolutely tremendous disparities when it comes to compensation. And I think the work week itself is inherently flawed. And I'll tell you why, Bob. Eight hours a day, five days a week, when you look at the commute that people have and you look at uh, taking the lunch break and whatnot, you're talking probably about at least 10 hours a day, 10, 11 hours a day. And by the time a person gets home, if they start at eight in the morning, they get home at six, seven o'clock at night. They really don't have enough time for diversity. They don't have enough time for themselves. They have to make a meal and they have to do some of the um, the more banal task of just getting ready and then get up the next day and um, it's just not fair. It's, it's too much. It's too much. And many people go to work and they have two weeks off a year for vacation. That to me is a form of slavery, if I may use that extreme terminology. And, and then oftentimes if they're not performing well, there's always the threat hovering over them of termination. Uh, that needs to be revolutionized. Compensation, the work, work, the work, work week. Um, it needs, and it needs to be made much more humane. And do you know that most people are, many people. I think maybe ten to twenty percent of people are, even though they have employment, uh, are not utilizing their own skills and talents. And there are many people in our nation in this. Oops. So the work uh, world I
0: think I think I lost you there for a second. Let me see. Okay.
1: All right, you're back. Okay, so the work world needs to be made into a much more conducive humanitarian environment where people feel appreciated, acknowledged fairly compensated when I say you know amply compensated compensated, I should say where there's plenty of time off where they feel secure because the work world is often a place of insecurity and this is very unfortunate and what it does is it takes its toll on the person's energy and psyche and ability to be productive and to perform well a person who is appreciated by the managers or whomever is in charge will feel much better about himself. His self-esteem will soar. So all of these things need to be done rather than the typical capitalistic formula for work, which is how can we hire people for the lowest possible pay to increase the profits for those few potentates in charge? You know, there needs to be, I think, injected in the capitalistic process, a socialist and humanitarian form of thinking.
0: Socialist has become the dirty word in politics today.
1: We're all socialists. Every, well, that's an absurd brainwashing, too. We're all social. socialists. Social, a socialist, we're living in society, means that you can coexist and, and harmonize with other people because we're all in this together. We're not individually separate uh, nations. We're working together, all the people of our society, our community. It's a communal thing. We need, mm-hmm. we need each other. Each other. The, uh, 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 um, the individual—it's only me, me, me—at the expense of exploiting other people—is never going to work. It's never going to work. It might work for some individuals, a few. But it's going to cause tremendous division and, and tremendous um, uh, separation. And ultimately, it will backfire. It will collapse onto itself. So we are socialists. Don't, I don't say we all have to have the same income. There could be incentives. Some aspects of capitalism is fine, is good uh, to have incentives. Somebody who studies 10 years or 12, 15 years to become a neuro, neurosurgeon uh, certainly should be compensated for that. But you know what? If I may say so, if I may be so outrageously outspoken, you know what the minimum wage is now of some people in the United States of America, How much the earning is of some people, many people? It's zero. Homeless people don't make any money. Do you know what the maximum or the most the people make in this nation? Some people, not very many, fortunately. Billions. Billions and billions. That tremendous gap needs to narrow. There needs to be a minimum and a maximum. Maximum, a minimum of, let's say, $50,000. Everybody should make that. A maximum, nobody, nobody should make 10 times more than the minimum, a half a million. And if they make more than that, that goes to charity of their choices. There are things, now that's very revolutionary, agreed, I understand. But you know what? It'll bring about a much more successful society for everyone if we adopted these particular standards. Styles or systems uh, of infrastructures.
0: Hmm. Very interesting there. Yeah. So uh, I I didn't see you at the de- uh, well. That's uh, is it Andrew Yang I guess who's who's, who's uh, proposing a minimum um, wage for everyone or minimum income I guess everybody would get. Um, uh, he's one of the candidates.
1: Uh, right, right I, I, I So
0: I, I, uh, so you're saying. Uh, 50,000 to 500,000.
1: That's quite a nice range, isn't it? And if you and if takes 500,000, there's someone uh, somebody might come back and be a naysayer and say, well, what's going to incent them to do even more? Well, you know what? If we have the freedom to do anything, you know, this is the same same system as the feudal system in the in the dark in the Middle Ages. There were kings and nobles that had a thousand times the wealth as the serfs. And that's what we've created. It's still continuing on. It's still being perpetuated. We need a system that is a little bit more equitable and fairer for everyone, and that will bring about a more harmonious, and less disparate and less uh, problematic society. Mm-hmm.
0: Very interesting. So um, Daisy is telling me it's uh, almost time to go for a walk. So, um, but before we uh, we go, um, let me remind everyone we're talking to Neil Grace about his new book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, making life a spectacular journey. Maybe just one more one more stop along the way um, in the book. Uh, and again, there are so many topics that I just find. So interesting, you know, that, uh, you know, how, how, how does one remain sane in this world? We'll go to page 77. Get the book for that. But how about um, how do we love life? Uh, could we leave on a positive note, Neil, on uh, page 255 of your book, your, uh, your mm-hmm. how do we love life chapter?
1: Well... That's probably one of the most important questions because, despite all of the negative things that we can summon and discuss ad nauseum, <laughs> and all the uh, horrific uh, challenges existing currently in the world, I am a, my strongest message is life is a miracle. You, meaning all of us, are a guest in the sacred house of life. We're here for a very short time. Our existence is a flash in cosmic time. Astonishing biological and chemical phenomena created us out of the elements of the universe. We are life itself. We are the dream of the cosmos. And despite all of its vicissitudes and difficulties and mysterious and unexplainable happenings, We are here to love life, to celebrate it, to find the beauty in life, to get close to nature, to love ourselves, to love animals, to cherish who we are, to find our spirituality, to find the blessing in each day, to honor and cherish and see the sacredness in our bodies, to find joy in each moment as much as we can to smile, to sing, to listen to music, to see a beautiful flower, to hug a a friend or a lover. The loving life is really the greatest gift we can give ourselves. And that is the ultimate purpose. Why we're here to love it, to see the miracle in all things, to see beauty in even the human world and architecture and dance, in music, in theater. There's so many places to see the miracles of life. And everywhere in nature, whether it's the seesaw, in the wilderness, in deserts, in the mountains, it doesn't matter, there's so many things, so many miracles to see, and, and all these animals, and all these creatures that cohabitate the world with us. Loving life is our birthright. And the more we can love it with passion, And with exaltation, the happier and the freer we will be.
0: Okay. So, uh, all right, I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, (laughs) So um, we've been talking to Neil Grace. Uh, Anything else you want to mention uh, before we close here now, Neil?
1: Yes, I encourage uh, people to please go to my website, uh, neal, N-E-A-L, grace dot com. enjoy there's some beautiful videos with uh, uh graphics and music in the website make sure you look at that follow me on instagram and twitter and uh be happy enjoy life and keep and be yourself be yourself at all costs never let yourself comprom- be compromised because you want the acceptance and love from others
0: okay well said uh, then again the, the whole book is well said so uh I recommend it. Um, Neil Grace, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, a great holiday gift. Thanks for being with us today, Neil Grace.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Bob.
0: I don't need to go into our accomplishments because I did that earlier in the program. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we're very dedicated to vegan activism and uh, helping the world go vegan ASAP as the only way to save us from climate change and other environmental catastrophe. You can support us with a donation at goveganradio.com. And you can see us on Facebook at Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, um, on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. Uh, it being Halloween, um, you know, maybe we'll just go through a little list of candy that turns out to be vegan. And uh, you know, we do not support uh, the consumption necessarily of candy, but must be popular. People buy it and um, we uh, of course wouldn't recommend candy with honey that's not vegan or refined white sugar which is filtered through cow bones char sugar char bone sugar so those wouldn't be vegan but uh, what is vegan what can you throw into the kids bags when they come around um, well let's see there's a list here That has Airheads, Atomic Fireballs, Big League Chew, Bottle Caps. I've never had any of these. Brock's Lemon Drops, uh, Brock's Root Beer Barrels, they're vegan. Charms Blow Pops are vegan. Uh, Chico Stick, vegan. Cocoa Mills, I like them, I've had them. Uh cry baby, dots are vegan dum-dums what else? Fun dip hubba hubba Jolly Rancher Hard Candy and Lollipops uh, Juju Bees. A lot of candy is vegan, huh? Um let's see, Mamba, Mary Jane. Mary Jane, peanut butter kisses, nerds, nerds are vegan anyway, right, isn't that what they think, don't they think nerds are vegan, Uh, let's see, now and later is vegan, Uh, pixie sticks, red vines, skittles, smarties, sour patch kids, Super Bubble, Surf Sweets Gummies, Sweet Tarts, Twizzlers, and what else? Okay, well, that should be enough junk food. Perhaps we should speak in support of a salad now and kale. Right? Eat your fruits and vegetables, okay? All right. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Coming up next, we will hear from Bri D. Reed, co-founder of World Vegan Travel, and she will have some great tips for vegan travelers here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. You can donate at paypal.me slash goveganradio. Um, and um, it's uh, great, great to be back. Great to be back doing programs again. It seems like I it seemed like taking a year off to do uh, the three reggae vegan festivals that we did and uh, paying so much attention to that that where has all the time gone for the for the radio show, the podcasts? And uh, it's time to uh, get regular with that again, although, you know, vegans are pretty good at being regular. Um, and so we're coming up on the holiday season and, uh, people thinking about, oh, traveling, traveling during the holidays or making plans for next year for a vacation. Yes. Some, some vegans have jobs, right? So, um, It seems to make sense that with the big vegan explosion that's been happening around the world, uh, for which I take credit, remember, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden started in 2001, the very first vegan radio program in mainstream media ever. So um, the vegan explosion uh, is uh, due due to us. Uh, We're taking full credit for it here now. Um, Think of that when you're uh, thinking about making a year-end tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. So, now with so many vegans in the world, you would think some of them would want to travel, right? Some of them want to take vacations. Some of them have jobs, right? So, um, we have now um, World Vegan Travel. The co-founder is Bridie Reed, and she's with us today all the way from Bangkok, Thailand. Good morning, how are you today, Bridie?
2: Good morning, Bob, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me here.
0: Well, thank you for being with us. So uh, tell us how World Vegan Travel came to be. Sure,
2: sure. Okay, so my partner and I, Seb, we have always really enjoyed travel. Indeed, um, I initially started my travel journey when I emigrated from the UK to Australia and uh, um, I did a lot of travel. And then I met Seb, my partner, when we were both tour guiding for an, another company, of course, Intrepid Travel. Some of your listeners might be familiar with their uh, travel tours. And uh, um we decided to move to Vietnam together and a few years later I went vegan. Um, I stumbled across the work of Colleen Patrick-Dreau, whose work I'm sure many people are familiar with. And um, I was so happy when Seb became vegan just six months later. We then bizarrely over the course of the next few years we actually developed um, a close friendship with Colleen and her husband David and we we were actually hanging out together quite a lot in various parts of the world. So with our background in travel and Seb's background in TV production and you know as you can imagine there's a lot of logistics involved with that he suggested to Colleen well why don't we do a trip for your um, followers to Thailand. And uh, Colleen said, okay, let's give it a try. So we did that, and it was a huge success. And that was closely followed a few months later by a trip also with Colleen to Vietnam. And we we decided, wow, this is actually kind of cool. This is – people seem to really, really like these trips. We have a great deal of fun going on the trips. So let's see what we can do. So since then, we've had a few different trips. Um, We've done Christmas trips with Colleen to France, Paris and Alsace areas. We've also done two trips to Rwanda, which was two incredibly exciting um, trips because Rwanda is such an interesting destination. And we've just finished a trip with J.L. Fields, the uh, fantastic cookbook writer. and yeah now we're both doing this full-time so it's it's pretty exciting
0: and um, what made you choose thailand and vietnam for starters
2: well we have lived in thailand uh for eight years in total and we also lived in vietnam for three and a half years so that was where why we chose to come here first of all
0: and um would you say that those countries are more vegan-friendly than others for any reason? or? Um,
2: yes, yes. Thailand is, and Vietnam are pretty vegan-friendly because they have a huge amount of produce. And obviously, tofu is a big staple. Um, and it's very easy. To, well, it's very easy. It's pretty easy to get things veganized. When I work with hotels, we don't stay in necessarily vegan hotels. In fact, we've never stayed in a vegan hotel. So there's always quite a lot of work that goes into... Are there vegan hotels? They do exist, definitely. Um, Yeah, but um, they're not suitable for our trips. Either they're not big enough or um, not nice enough. Our trips are generally um, quite very comfortable trips. So it's not, you know, staying in hostels or, or something like that, which is, you know, fine, of course, but that's not our our market, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they're very, very friendly countries. There's a lot of, uh, religious, religious background. Um, so a lot of people eat vegan, uh, once a month because of religious reasons in Thailand, there's a vegetarian, essentially vegan festival for nine days every year. So these countries are, um, they understand what, vegetarian or vegan is not necessarily
0: watch out if i come on one of your trips because i'm going to encourage them to expand the uh, the nine days to 365 (laughs) well that
2: is that is something that i often say like uh, you know the reason why they do it for nine days it's it's you know it's it's trying to trying to um cleanse a little bit it's trying to you know be better and i'm like i often sort of say well, if they want to be better, of nine days a year. What about try for three hundred and sixty-five? So, yeah, that that thought has definitely crossed my mind too.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's a good thing you you listen to Colleen's podcast instead of mine. You you'd be kicked out of the country by now. So, <laughs> uh,
2: well, they 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 understand the premise of it. So, you know, you have that hurdle. Done and dusted. They do understand that well, this is it's, there, it's the right is way. There to live. A,
0: is, is it a Buddhist connection to to being vegan? I mean, there are actually lots of vegan restaurants here in the United States that are vegan that have been um, you know started by Buddhists. There are you know Buddhists who have come up with a lot of the mock meats and uh, yes, you know, that, so that is
2: the reason. That yeah. is the
0: reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I think is, is it called J? Is a vegan called J or V- veganism called. Jay yeah.
2: Like well, mm-hmm. well, my my vegan activist friends here in Thailand, they they um, try not to connect Jay too closely with veganism because you know, generally speaking, we don't want veganism to um, to you know people for people to think that veganism is a religious thing and that you, if you're vegan, then you have to be religious. So uh, so my friends, my Thai activist friends, don't like to sort of really connect the two. However, that phrase, J, gin J, to eat J, is very helpful when you go um, into a restaurant because that helps them understand mm. because they, everyone knows what J is. However, increasingly, the term vegan or weegan, um, because the V is very difficult uh, to say for for Thai people, they, they, they are starting to know the phrase Wegan or the word Wegan more and more. We're starting to see it more and
0: more. Is, isn't it interesting that uh, very often uh, people who have trouble with uh, the V have the W instead for some reason? Right? And, and I know, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so,
2: it's, so, it's, so,
0: it's, so, it's, 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 it's vegan and so, and so then you're saying that the J then is tied to religion would be saying like you're, um, more of a strict Buddhist is that what it is because I yes
2: you know. yes I'm not hugely familiar with all of the ins and outs because to me Buddhism is is quite complicated
0: mm-hmm. but
2: it's just, it's a part it's a sect it's mm-hmm. a sect of the Buddhist movement
0: Well I like to think that you know compassion for all living beings would tie right in with being vegan so,
2: Yes yes
0: yeah that's so yeah and, 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 and uh, there are a lot of Thai restaurants in California who are uh, that are uh, completely uh, vegan. So. Yes, yeah, yes. I so.
2: have been to some, they're very good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, do you have uh, really good Thai uh, vegan restaurants where you, are? well, you're in Bangkok, you're in Thailand, any, mm-hmm. any really good vegan restaurants there?
2: Oh, my goodness, there are so many. When I moved to Bangkok, uh, I've I've lived here in a few different stints. When I moved to Bangkok, we had I think 180 listings on Happy Cow total. And now I think it's more like 250. Um, so obviously there are tons, but there is ev- really every kind of cuisine that you could possibly want. Um, so obviously there's there's tons and tons of, uh, of th- Thai vegan places and they can be real hole in the wall places where you can buy a meal for like just over a dollar Um, to something a little bit more fancier um, as well. So, you know, you've got every range of Thai food covered, but then you've got international cuisine, you know, you've got Ethiopian food, you've got, we've got vegan Italian places. We've got, and the Beyond Burger just arrived here in Thailand as well. Um, um, we've got our own, um, Thai vegan mock meats of different brands as well. There's, there's just so much. It's really incredible.
0: Well, <laughs> it, it, it's an explosion really that's happening all over the world. So, um, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking, uh, we're talking to, uh, Brydie Reed, who is the, uh, co-founder of World Vegan Travel and so you're living in thailand very often uh the uh destination for your vegan travel is thailand so uh, mm. aside from um the fantastic vegan restaurants there uh what, what where what would you go see in uh, when uh, when you're leaving sure. The tour there? sure
2: sure well we don't actually run so many trips in in thailand our focus is increasingly moving to africa and um europe however of course like i can speak to to thailand in regards to you know being a fantastic destination for for vegans so um there are lots of really great opportunities to see to um see some wildlife um often it's in, sadly, it's often in sanctuaries because, uh, or rehabilitation centres, because there isn't a huge amount of wildlife in the wild that's easy to see, which is, you know, obviously incredibly sad. So there's lots of sanctuaries that you can visit. There are a lot of, um, particularly for elephants, uh, gibbons, um, uh, lots of things like that. There are some national parks, which which are really cool to visit. Um, Obviously, Thai culture is really interesting. Uh, The religious aspects, the architectural aspects. Thai people themselves are very, very friendly and welcoming. Um, Tourism is a huge industry here in Thailand. So, they've got every possible range covered in terms of standards of accommodation. There's a huge amount of competition. So people um, running accommodation um, and restaurants and all of those kinds of things, they really up their, um, up their game so that they can be uh, uh, um, beat out the rest of the competition, so to speak. So, the beaches are incredible. The The hills are amazing. The t- the, there are many towns worth visiting with a lot of um, interesting cultural places to visit. It's a great destination.
0: Hmm. And you said that you also lived in uh, Vietnam. Um, wh- I'm just yes. wondering why. And, you know, I mean, it's just my background is, uh, you know, I flash on Vietnam and I'm back in high school protesting the war. So um, hmm. that's the... The images that I see are are somewhat horrific and I think Mm. of napalm and, you know, that's where I am. I don't think of like uh, Vietnam as uh, the place, as a destination to live or a a tourist uh, destination. But uh, Mm -hmm. tell me, tell me about the Vietnam of today and not the one where I'm, you know, (laughs) back in the Woodstock generation. Sure.
2: Well, I can only really comment on my experience there, which was for three years in the mid 2000s. So it's quite a while ago now. Um, I lived in Hanoi and uh, it's it's changed since then. I know um, when I was arriving in. When I came to Vietnam, cars were really just starting to arrive so i mean obviously they had cars before then um but they were generally for generally sort of high government ranking officials or diplomats or you know very very wealthy people but as um, vietnam has become more and more um you know their economy is growing more and more and people are getting uh wealthier then of course there's a lot more cars uh, so it's certainly becoming richer in terms of economic growth uh, of course you don't want to measure a country entirely based on that um, obviously you know a, a technological advancement has brought a lot of change um and tourism has really really increased uh vietnam is incredibly welcoming of of you know particularly Americans, to, to go there. And it is such a beautiful country. I mean, a lot of this technological advancement is coming at a cost in terms of, um, you know, people are, are eating more meat because it's more affordable and, of course, fishing. And then, of course, um, you know, the environment is becoming more and more developed. So, of course, the environment is suffering a, a little bit in that area. Um, But it certainly has incredible places to visit, Uh, the spectacular scenery, beautiful beaches. And um, and, yeah, it's just super, super interesting. It's very noisy, but uh, it's it's very, very nice place to visit. And people love it. People think it's it's a great place to to go. Mm.
0: So we're talking to Bridie Reed. Co-founder of World Vegan Travel. The website is worldvegantravel.com. And uh, so um, what do you do special for vegans who are traveling? So, um, you know, it's like uh, how how can you set a vegan's mind at ease? Like what, what are vegans uh, concerned about that uh, you have handled and... Uh, you, you say mainly now your uh, excursions are going to Europe. And did you say Botswana? Did I... uh,
2: we have a trip to Botswana. We've got trips to Rwanda as well. Yes. Ah,
0: okay. <laughs> and uh, so uh, what, what are we going to see on those trips?
2: Ah, oh, okay. So, um, uh do you want me to answer your first question, which was about what we do for vegans? Or would you like me to do the Botswana, what what the itinerary oh, is in Botswana? Do,
0: do, do, do the first one and try to remember the second one after that. I'll, I'll try. I'll <laughs> <laughs> try.
2: Okay. OK, so our trips are group tours. So we're not a travel agent. So um, it's it's not like someone would send us an email and we'd, we'd sort of book their flight and book their hotels It's a group tour and many people have never done a group tour before. So basically, you know, you meet in a destination and you travel around together for, you know, a week, nine days, however long the tour is. And depending on the type of tour, there'll be activities included and meals included and those kinds of things. And then there'll be somebody um, looking after all of the logistics and, you know, that kind of thing. So a group tour is a way to really... Just let your hair down and just relax and enjoy. Like literally, all you have to think about is, um, okay, they said we're leaving at 8:30 in the morning. I need to be down in the lobby at 8:30, kind of kind of thing. So, so um, so that's the group tour aspect of it. Now, for our trips, like we include all food, all snacks, all all drinks. Um, all activities we even include all tips because you know who wants to be figuring out how much you should tip and make sure you've got the right money after a certain activity we also include laundry we include wi-fi in the vehicles all and obviously all transportation and all of those things so basically you don't have to take any money out it's just you know you just completely relax um and um so what we do to sort of make it um uh you know is for vegans is we will work with the hotels often working with the hotels can take up to 6 months because at the beginning of the conversation they don't even know what what vegan is i mean this is just an extreme example but um for example i'll say okay we're a bunch of vegans coming what would you offer and it'll be you know one of the suggested meal will, will be a, like a char grilled vegetable stack and i'm like no <laughs> that's, that's, we, will, we want something a little bit more interesting than that so we will work with the hotels so and we'll. A,
0: what we'll... Chi- chickens not vegan? What do you mean? Eggs are yes. vegan.
2: What What do you mean? It, it, like... it can be. I mean, sometimes they'll understand. They'll understand, but then they might might forget later on. Um, They'll suggest something and I'll I'll have to be very sort of suspect. So this mayonnaise that you're suggesting, can you check that that it has egg in it and I can give you a a recipe for a vegan mayonnaise, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's really, um, you know, letting them know about it, letting them understand um, and reminding them and walking through the whole thing. So as an example, on our recent France trip that we did, like we really want to still sort of enjoy the traditional cuisines, but obviously made vegan. So some examples of some dishes that we had in France were like French onion soup, fondue, um, both bourguignon, um, uh, vegan, of course, um choucroute, which is like a sauerkraut because that's in the Alsace region of France, tart flambe, and all of these things w- would traditionally be, you know, non-vegan but- we've made them vegan. Um, So that's obviously the food is a big part of it. But we also um, look at trying to find opportunities for people to to connect with, uh, with, for our travelers to connect with people who are doing interesting work in animal protection. So that can look like, for example, in Rwanda, we invited a gorilla doctor um, to one of our lunches. Um, we also had invited, uh, uh, this wonderful woman who was, you know, make, trying to make her own tempeh and tofu and soy milks and, um, you know, she was the only person in the country of Rwanda doing it. We had people that came to visit us to lunch with us that were doing some really interesting work for, for, um for dogs in the country on top of that we like to go and visit places that will be interesting to vegans so uh, an example of that in france was we crossed over the border and went to a bear sanctuary where um, it had a ton of bears that had been rescued from like roadside zoos or circuses we also um avoid activities that vegans would not like of course we also prep all of our local guides that we work with so you know we try to encourage them to to you know not talk about you know the fantastic traditional um non-vegan dish that they absolutely love um so you know that 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 and they really work hard to to not sort of mention those things i mean we don't sort of avoid that we don't ask them to avoid that you know animal agriculture happens but not to sort of glorify it in a way and so that's something else that we do we also um work with the hotels to make sure that there's no sort of obvious uh animal exploitation um around our our travelers so that might look like um you know it's horrible to say this, but, uh, you know, if there's deer heads on the wall, we ask them to just take them down any sort of leather that can be removed uh, from the rooms or anything. We, we try our best to do that. We try to ask for feather free um, bedding in the rooms. And, you know, most hotels are able to accommodate that. Um, you know, we we try our best in that area. Obviously, we we can't remove every single bit. We also try to make, depending on the hotel that we're in, sometimes we take over hotels and sometimes we can't take over hotels. So we'll ask for a completely separate area for breakfast or a private room so that we're not eating um, with the smell of, you know, dead animals around us, that kind of thing. So those are the kind of things so, that we so you do. So tra- you
0: travel around, it sounds like, in a bulldozer, basically. And, uh... Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I just mean oh, like, um... okay, here's the hotel where we're staying. Bulldoze to knock the whole thing down <laughs> you know, with a, No. A wreck, oh. uh, with a wrecking ball. Get the heads out of here and the leather, and we're remodeling the whole place. You don't like it? The I, I know. The way, I, <laughs> where, the way I'm
2: explaining It it might sound like that, but I promise you it's it's done in a very kind way and done over a long period of time. And uh, we're trying to um, just just explain why this might be upsetting for for vegans. And the hotels, they totally get it. And they're used to accommodating for for, um, a group's needs. Um, that's, That's what they do in the service industry so you know we 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 say very clearly at the start of the the project like this is this is what we're gonna want are you up for the challenge are you keen are you open-minded to learn is this something that you want to do and we have we have I've not really had a hotel that said, nah, now this seems like too much work, not interested. So, you know, they they go into it with their eyes open. They have
0: to get with the way of the future here. They should know that uh, you're the future knocking on the door there. And uh, with more and more vegans around the world, uh, this this would be commonplace. Well,
2: this is something that we talk about with the hotel we explain that this is the fastest growing sector of the food industry. And I think a lot of the time, you know, that there'll be vegans that will stay in the hotels, but it's there's just one or two people. And that's not the incentive to make the hotel really make an effort. Um, I, I'm generalizing here, I'm sure. But when it's 30 people and it's, we're staying in a hotel for four, day, four or five days and we could be coming year after a year there's an incentive to really put in the work and the result who knows how many that of the is, hotel you know,
0: staff will go the, maybe the hotel staff goes vegan after you're there they you know they're exposed yeah, to these I, ideas I,
2: you know. well I mean I haven't heard of any yet but certainly many many people that we have worked with have at We've got a lot more vegan allies. Let's just say that mm, sure. <laughs> they they really understand and they they think it's a really cool thing. And we've we've had like the um, uh, the Marriott in uh, Kigali in Rwanda. They they want to market themselves as a vegan friendly hotel now. And a uh, hotel in in um. Alsace in France, they now have a regular vegan set menu um, on on their menu all of the time, and they they do that because they know that there's a demand and it does sell, and they never would have probably done that before. And this is a very meat heavy part of the world, so you know if you set the bar high, people will rise to it. You'll
0: be you'll be able to get that faux escargot and, and frog's legs made out of tofu, right? So
2: uh maybe maybe we've
0: had foie gras oh Uh, Uh, it's so it's so amazing how you know we and it seems so strange right i mean like to say like faux escargot and frog's legs made made out of tofu like oh just like the real thing but but we do that all the time with you know chicken and you know ah, you know just like chicken just like fish and it's like um, and, and the only French food I could think of just now would be snails and frogs' legs. I don't even know how <laughs> close I am to French cuisine or not. Um, we, uh, we did have the French cafe when I lived in Omaha, uh, and I call, you know, called uh-huh. myself... A I called myself vegetarian at the time, but which um, I see, you know, falls way short of what I should have been doing. But you know, although I worked at a rock radio station there, and Journey would come uh. to town, and all—all all of us vegetarians would go to the French Cafe and just get full of. Uh, Onion soup, right? That was the big, mm-hmm. that was the, the big thing. Everything was creamy and cheesy. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, had I had I only known then about uh, dairy and eggs, that uh, I, should, yes, I should should yes, have been vegan. Sh- should have too. been vegan. So, and how did you yeah. go vegan? What what happened to you to make you go vegan?
2: Yeah, well, I had been a vegetarian for, for 20 years and um, sounds a little bit like your story and I honestly didn't, like you by the sounds of it, didn't understand about dairy and eggs, didn't mm. understand, um, didn't think. And um, it was actually, uh, I stumbled across Colleen Patrick-Goudreau's podcast in 2005 um, and those ideas just completely blew my mind. And it was obviously not just, you know, the whole dairy and egg thing um, that blew my mind as well, but it was just all about how this way of living could just bring me so much joy. And, you know, I, I really resonated with Colleen's message. Sorry, it resonated with me and I just, loved it so much, and I just listened to her podcast on repeat for like over a year because the ideas just blew my
0: mind and um, and, and, and you and you didn't li- you didn't listen to mine at all during that year, right? So, so. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I was too busy listening to Colleen's, <laughs> but yours was going at that time. i I well, don't know why I did, well, I- you
0: know I, I don't know well mine started in two thousand and one, but I was on radio stations for a few years, so I don't actually know when I became a podcast or because it started on radio stations and was the air America radio network for a while. So I don't know. I, would almost have to, I, I have over, Oh, I do have over 600, uh, programs archives at go vegan com. So you can make oh. up for that year of missing me you know, <laughs> by, by starting to listen now, uh, to that. But I Absolutely. was exactly the same way for, for 13 years. I went along thinking, Oh, I'm doing the best thing I can for animals, you know, calling myself mm-hmm. a vegetarian and consuming dairy and eggs. And then the day I found out about dairy and eggs, I was so shocked. And, of course, I was doing this for animals. So it was like, well, that oh. day, it was like, what What was I thinking? You know, I was thinking, well, cows have to be milked and chickens lay eggs. So what's the problem? And, you know, that's a yes. big problem. It's, you know. Yeah very yeah. very big problem. So, so here here we are now. You didn't get the, you didn't get the question too. You remember that one?
2: Oh, yes, I do. Um Botswana.
0: and yes. Rwanda maybe too, right? And so.
2: okay, so um we have an upcoming trip to Botswana and when I say upcoming, I mean it's quite a long way in the future. Um it will be new year 2020 going into 2021 so um, for any listeners out there we still have a few for, for the listeners out there we still have spots available um, and basically it is starts in Cape Town and then uh, we go into Botswana and then we finish back in Cape Town again so of course Botswana is really an amazing place to see animals um and uh we're staying at two incredibly beautiful we're taking over two beautiful s- safari camps in Botswana and um, they are beautiful beautiful places you you have to fly in there and they are all been designed and built so that they have the minimal impact on the environment the vegetation there's like they overlook water Holes where wildlife come and drink, so that's kind of cool. Um, Botswana is kind of an interesting destination um, because it's it's quite expensive to go there and stay there, um, and as a result of that, um, there's not been the mass tourism that they that they, that has been experienced in places like Tanzania and uh, Kenya. So there's there's not so many tourists, um, which is which is really nice because it means that there are not lots of jeeps going around the place, and um, there's very very strict um, rules that are followed regarding how close you get get to the animals and where the trucks can go, those kinds of things. So obviously. Um, um, seeing these animals in their natural habitat is really, really awesome. We'll be there over New Year, so we'll be celebrating the uh, the New Year in these beautiful places. Then we'll be coming back to to Cape Town uh, for a couple of nights where we'll be going to Grayton, which is a beautiful wine area, and it also has a fantastic farmed animal sanctuary that we'll also be visiting as well. And we'll also be visiting Cape Town a little bit, although if people are really interested in Cape Town, then they'll be wise to come a couple of days before or stay a couple of days afterwards because it's just such an amazing um, city to go visit. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. And um, you, you say that you have tools to make vegan travel easier is that uh, something sure
2: sure so uh i think you're asking me like some some tips and tricks to to travel being vegan right
0: yeah yeah, yeah. well it's it's, okay. it's it's i think it's also on your website too something about yes. tools to make vegan travel oh, easier so, okay so uh, i think and, and for, for me it would probably be like, where are the nearest, cleanest restrooms, um, basically? <laughs> <laughs> basically, you know, high-fiber diet. That's one of my uh, major
2: yes high-fiber
0: yes. diet. So, you know, but anyway, <laughs> so that's – where, where do I – what are we eating? Where do we eat? And where are the clean restrooms? Uh, okay, I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm fine. Then after that, you tell me.
2: Okay, sure. Well, I mean, obviously, it, it depends on, on where you are going. Um, you know, bathrooms are, are – pretty like easy to find when you're traveling in most places um obviously in europe and there's Lots and lots of public bathrooms, but in places like Asia, that you know, they might be a little bit more difficult to spot. So usually, what I suggest to people is, you know, go into a little cafe and and just just buy something cheap, and then you can use the bathroom, um, which is very kind of them. And um, you know, I really recommend if if you're really worried about, you know, being able to access, you know, whether it's vegan food or um you know um needing facilities and those kinds of things you, you know you can download google translate on your phone you can um off have offline the languages in the places that you're going so that you can use them no matter where you go so many places now it's really easy to set up global roaming from home or just buy a local sim card uh you can um so you or you can have, Create like a little printout using Google Translate where you can have all of those important um, uh, phrases like where's the closest bathroom or or, um, thank you to the chef for making me something vegan, things like that. And actually on our website, we have a editable sheet where you can um, copy and paste the Google Translate. Phrases in there and just print it out. Just keep it in your pocket the whole time. So that you can easily say things like please don't give me a, a plastic straw with my drink or um, Can I refill my water bottle all of those kinds of things now? Of course, happy cow is an amazing resource in the United States It's an incredible resource all over the world. That is a really great um, p- thing to uh, use Meetups, uh, if you want to interact with uh, the vegan community when you're in the country, that can be a really fun thing to do, whether it's just a social meetup or whether it's some sort of activism, then the searching on um, meetups.com can be really helpful. Uh, also, I have so many Facebook groups in the country that you're going. If you just Google Uh, put into Facebook, for example, Vegan Rwanda, you're going to find the Vegans of Rwanda Facebook page and they'll probably have meetups or they'll have people that you can connect with or ideas for advice. Uh, Veggie Hotels is another really fantastic website. There's more and more of these websites springing up now um to help veggie hotels is one that's more established so they have a lot of uh vegan or very vegan friendly hotels listed on their website so that can be really helpful what else is there what else i'm trying to think of other things airbnb they will often have experiences airbnb now has um experiences listed on their website. So if you plug in vegan there, there could be vegan walking tours available, um, so many other things.
0: Great. Okay. Well, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty good rundown. So it sounds great there. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're just about running out of time. So anything you wanted to mention that we haven't, uh, addressed thus far?
2: Um, I guess the only thing is uh, I want to suggest to vegans, particularly new vegans, I think a lot of people, vegans, they worry that when they travel that they're going to starve. Like they're actually going to go hungry. And, um, you know, in in my 10 years of, of being vegan and traveling in many different places, I've never actually gone hungry. I might have eaten a few boring meals, <laughs> uh, like, you know, fried rice for a few meals. But really, that's, that's okay. You know, it, it's not a big deal. And um, so I would really recommend people that who are a little bit anxious to travel because they are vegan, just don't worry. Because you, you're not going to starve. I, I've never gone hungry, so see, don't see, let that I worry, stop you. I worry
0: when I when I drive from the Bay Area in Northern California down to Southern <laughs> California, the the vast expanse in the middle there. Um, sometimes oh. it's like I, it'll be. It looks like it's a bag of pretzels until we get to L. A. But you know, so. <laughs> but,
2: well, I mean, I guess I, I guess when we travel, we want to have an, a fantastic food. Experience obviously that would be amazing if there's incredible restaurants uh, all the time, but there's there's so much more to a holiday than just food. So you know, I like what? I, I would.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, like taking a but, walk on the beach after you you know. After yes,
2: your experience in the local culture and, and going for hikes and um, all of these kinds of things. So, yeah, I, I think as vegans we can become a little preoccupied with food. But, you know, we're never going to starve. And most of the time we're going to be pleasantly surprised and just go with the flow a little bit to have some tools there to help you. And, you you know, whether you can travel really far, like coming on one of our trips, or whether you just stay in your local area, like just, just get out there, just enjoy the, 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 the this beautiful world. And um, it, it can be quite a healing thing to do, to go out and spend some time in nature or to get out of the routine, um, the routine of our everyday lives, whether we do that by traveling to the other side of the world or just staying staying in our local area um i think the benefits just are so positive
0: it is so important to get out in nature i mean we get into our heads so much uh, worry worried about the Mm day-to-day and then uh, it's nice to get out with the birds and the trees and the water it is and
2: to just just switch things up a little bit (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being with me today. We've been talking to Bridie Reed, co-founder of World Vegan Travel. The website is worldvegantravel.com. And I presume you have all these social media connections out there.
2: Absolutely. Yep. You can find us everywhere under World Vegan Travel.
0: Terrific. Okay. Well, thanks for talking with us today and uh, uh, update us in the future on, uh, on your travels.
2: Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, our
0: pleasure. Thank you very much. Site is goveganradio.com on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio? Uh, thanks today for Neil Grace and Bridie Reed being on the program. And again, I invite you to make this year the year of the donation to Go Vegan Radio, your 501c3 charity that's dedicated to ending climate change, stopping climate change, and uh, Uh, ending uh, deforestation and uh, resource depletion. We are here with the mission of saving the world through education. We need your help. A lot of information doesn't see the light of day, of course, in the mainstream media, And you don't really get the the real poop from environmental groups and animal organizations either. So... uh, That leaves it up to us to get together, spread the word. The only solution for climate change is a massive population shift to vegan. The only solution to end mass extinction is a mass population shift to vegan. I'm not saying that just because researchers support me. Um, Oxford University research, World Bank research. So um, that's what's most important in saving the world. There's nothing more important than you going vegan and helping everybody else to go vegan and helping us to help everybody else to go vegan. You can email me, goveganradio at gmail.com. And again, you can make a tax-deductible donation on our website. And thank you for listening. Go to goveganradio.com.